What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 145 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's special video edition of the podcast, we are going to be joined by a man who some of you may know from DFS Twitter, who some of you may know as a game theory analyst for one of the most successful DFS sites in the space one week season. Uh, yes, today we are joined by Hillo FF. Hello, buddy. How you doing? What's up, gents? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Our pleasure. You know, and it's great to have you on as the first guest in what's going to be a four-part series focusing on positional tiers for best ball tournaments in 2021, the strategy and reasoning behind them, where we have these players ranked, and how to gain an edge in what is a growing format of fantasy football. Now, today we're talking about quarterbacks. We've got three more episodes dropping later this week for running back, wide receiver, and tight end. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, or maybe you're just catching us on YouTube for the first time, you can support by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, subscribing to the YouTube channel where we stream <clears throat> weekly and produce content all week, every week. But boys, you know, uh, enough intro. Let's get right in to what the people want to hear some fantasy talk. And the thesis of this tiers article that, that we're basing these videos on is that specifically in large field best ball tournaments, DraftKings, Underdog, Drafters, FFPC, wherever you play, in my opinion, we want to be looking at the way that players contribute to your roster more so than where you're ranking the players. We're not looking at median projections. We're looking at ranges of outcomes. And let's start with the top of the tier. We've got five players in our first tier, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray. Do you guys agree that this is the top tier of quarterbacks? Is anybody missing from this list? How are you guys feeling? So I do agree with this tier, and I'll preface that by saying I agree with a lot of your tiers, Ben. So we're pretty much hand in hand in terms of quarterbacks. And I do think these are the guys that realistically have overall QB1 upside for 2021. They have the rushing floor that we want in our quarterbacks in fantasy. And they have the passing upside as well. I think these are my top five as well, if I had to rank it. Yeah. I mean, in a vacuum, these are the top guys. Uh, one guy that jumps out at me who is the likeliest of these five to fall out of that is probably Dak Prescott. You talk about rushing upside, the floor that that brings to the table. We, we don't really know what that's going to be with Dak coming off that gruesome ankle injury. So um, especially for this year, uh, likely, uh, and we know that the dynamics of that team, that they're a heavy rush offense in the red zone. So, um, you know, inside the 10, inside the five, extremely high rush rates. I could see that continuing th this year, particularly with the injury Dak Prescott's coming off. So if there's anybody that's going to fall out of that tier for me, it's likely going to be Dak. And I probably will leverage that a little bit utilizing game theory uh, when I'm drafting here this year. And how would you be utilizing that? Are you going to be fading him, taking a lower ownership stake compared to the other four or five guys in this tier? Yeah, I'll probably drop my ownership uh, down to between the three to 5% range as opposed to 8.3 standard uh, per the field. So my question with this tier, like we know why these guys are great, right? You know, these are the consensus top five. There isn't going to be too much disagreement in terms of, you know, people around the fantasy business talking about it. But the question I want to ask is, does Patrick Mahomes deserve to be the undeniable number one QB the way that he's regarded? You know, is his weekly ceiling actually high enough to be justifiably picked 11, 15, 20 picks higher than the rest of these guys? Because in terms of ADP, you look at, uh, you know, on underdog, he's going in the top 35. The rest of these guys are in the four. 
45 to 50 range. So we're talking about at least a full round uh, higher to get Mahomes. And he's, you know, realistically the one with the lowest rushing floor. I mean, he is the clear cut QB one because we've seen it over numerous seasons that he's the QB one in real life and in fantasy. But just in terms of value, I do think you get better value if you target Josh Allen or Dak Prescott, even Kyler Murray one, two rounds later, just because they present that similar upside that Patrick Mahomes has just in terms of boom weeks due to their massive rushing floors, especially with like Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, who scores a bunch of rushing touchdowns. So I think I would say that the better values are Kyler, Josh Allen, Dak, etc. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, you're basically buying the top weekly floor. And so many mm-hmm. people make the mistake of not viewing a full season of fantasy from a best ball lens uh, still as a weekly game. And this is a weekly game mm-hmm. where you're looking to get, uh, you know, ceiling and the way that you can piece together uh, ceiling with a comparable floor to Patrick Mahomes is, you know, t- pairing a tier two with a tier five quarterback, something like that, you know, just as an example. So me personally, I'm never taking the first quarterback off the board. That's going to be Patrick Mahomes in every draft. So I probably will have very little Mahomes this year. I agree. Does it change for you in formats that are, you know, higher on, you know, the final couple of weeks of the season where Mahomes ceiling in those weeks could be the difference, you know, especially if you've say, you know, leave the first two rounds with one of Kelsey or Ty Kill and the stack for those weeks 15 through 17 with the playoffs could be a huge difference maker for you. Yeah. So that is why I said I like will have very little. I didn't say I'm going to full fade because I will be utilizing Patrick Mahomes, obviously, in stacks where it makes sense. Um, and a- another mistake I think drafters are, are making typically in best ball contest is seeking out stacks. Um, I will let mm. the stacks fall to me where they will um, and not seek out because now you're making just basic best ball theory mistakes uh, in drafts. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, moving on uh, to tier two. And this is a tier that we've sort of categorized as guys that we think have realistic opportunity to finish top five, but perhaps there are some flaws with their, you know, perspective range of outcomes that, you know, have the lower floor, not quite as safe as the guys that we were uh, speaking about prior, you know, in my evaluation, the things that hurt these guys, and we've got Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. Obviously, all of them have that potential ceiling. But, you know, we look at Hurts as a guy who the head coach of the Eagles is not fully committed to for whatever reason. We look at Russell Wilson as a guy who's averaging, you know, under 35 pass attempts per game last season and will continue to be held down by the Seahawks run first scheme. We've got, you know, Burrow obviously coming off of an injury. And we've got Herbert where a lot of people are suspecting some regression to the mean following a historic rookie campaign. So out of these guys, do you believe any of these guys belong in the tier above? Should they be a tier below? Or is this sort of that tier of guys that has the potential to rise and become true difference makers? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I I think this tier is pretty solid. If I had to move one quarterback out, it would probably be Joe Burrow. I think he's in the tier below, just in my personal opinion. But I think all of the concerns that you listed are are valid concerns, especially with Jalen Hurts. That's probably the one that I would, you know, be wary of the most is his questionable real life talent. And then the coaching Um, with Nick Sirianni there as a head coach, he might be a donkey. He might not. Uh, We don't know yet. But the least valid concern in this tier for me would probably be Russell Wilson. That's probably the quarterback that I would potentially move up into tier one right now because they did get a new offensive coordinator and their moves in the offseason indicate that they are at least going to pass the same amount as they did in 2020. Um, They drafted Dwayne Eskridge with one out of their three draft picks and then they signed Gerald Everett. So I think Russell Wilson is probably the guy that I could see finishing top five in this tier. Yeah. And again, with Russell Wilson, he's a good spike week quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, Extremely touchdown dependent, but that's what you're kind of looking for in best ball. 
uh, right? You know, he's going to have those four touchdown uh, games or three plus a rushing touchdown. So um, high spike week potential. The Probably the guy that I would say would move up into the borderline tier one, tier two for me out of this group is Justin Herbert. And mm-hmm. just with the step forwards that I think that the offense is going to take. Yes, they come in uh, with a healthy and supposedly going to be dominant defense. Uh, but again, we're looking for spike week upside here. And Justin Herbert is going to be massive this year. In terms of the first tier, you mentioned that Dak Prescott potentially coming off of injury was the guy that you were most concerned about. Do you have any of that concern with Joe Burrow? Because we saw him come into the NFL and it looks like everything that Cincinnati is trying to do is just become, you know, a passing powerhouse. They added Jamar Chase. You know, the offense is loaded with Higgins and Boyd and Joe Mixon. And, you know, Joe Burrow was averaging over 40 uh, pass attempts per game in his 10 games started as a rookie. So, I mean, the volume should theoretically be able to elevate him into that tier if things break right, if the injury isn't too much of a concern for him. Yeah. And for me, the injury is less of a concern than, you know, comparing it to Dak Prescott, you know, with Joe Burrow, we know that they haven't made leaps uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They <laughs> chose to take a wide receiver over an offensive lineman in the first round. Uh, we can, de- we can debate that for days, but uh, mm-hmm. That's going to lead to those two pieces together are going to lead to, you know, high weekly ceiling of potential uh, pass attempts for Burrow. So I don't mind that at all. Um, you know, with his injury, he's going to look to be that that pocket passer presence. So, um, again, spike week potential extremely large uh, week to week on Joe Burrow. Now, is there anybody that we haven't named yet that you think believe belongs in this tier? Somebody who has top five upside, you know, realistic top five upside, you know, not, not, you know, their upper one percentile, you know, outcome, but somebody who realistically could be a top five quarterback that we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. The hotness on the street is going to be Ryan Tannehill, um, Mm -hmm. but his, his ADP is going to continue to climb. So uh, that's something that, you know, in these large contests, you've got to look at opportunity cost uh, of taking a player if you're taking Ryan Tannehill and he's creeping up into the fifth, sixth, something like that rounds, you're basically matched up against teams who have gotten him in the ninth, 10th, 11th round. So you have to look at that opportunity cost uh, versus upside. And can I create a differentiated roster against those teams that got him much later, you know, two, three, four, five, sometimes rounds later than I would be taking him. Mm -hmm. Transitioning to the tier that we actually do have Ryan Tannehill here in, in tier three, along with five other quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Hill, Aaron Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence, and, and Tom Brady. The way that we look at this tier, sort of guys that, you know, they're likely to finish inside the top 12, but we don't necessarily know what their upside is. You know, you could, you just gave the points about why Ryan Tannehill has upside. You know, we saw that upside in Aaron Rodgers last year, but the question marks surrounding his situation, I think, docks him a little bit. How do you, as somebody who really studies the game theory of best ball, you know, go after this tier of quarterback? How, how do you address this tier of, of quarterbacks in your drafts? This tier, basically tier three and on it's a balance of um upside and floor so you obviously you're looking for weekly ceiling but you can't negate or you can't just completely neglect floor out of the this tier of you know the quarterbacks you mentioned i'll be extremely overweight aaron Rodgers and just Mm -hmm. play off that situation right now you know if he stays which we're probably not going to know for a while that situation is probably going to drag on uh you know approaching preseason even if he stays again you're looking at a a top three four five maybe quarterback uh Mm -hmm. that is is going to be going at the quarterback one two turn so i mean i definitely agree that's the one player just uh just back to the last here when you ask a player that should be in tier two, I think that's Aaron Rodgers. Um, because if he plays a full season, he's finishing as a top 10 quarterback guaranteed. 
and he has in pretty much every season that he's been a starting quarterback in the NFL. And he's finished as a top six fantasy quarterback in three out of his last four healthy seasons. So Rodgers, we know, is a guy that has elite fantasy upside when he plays. So Rodgers is definitely the guy in this tier that I would probably target the most and I think deserves to be in tier two. How do we feel about Brady? He he sort of closes out this tier and I think that it's easy to, you know, expect regression for him coming off of, you know, what was an amazing season. But I mean, the weapons are still loaded. The system is still loaded. Uh, you know, Br- Brady strikes me as somebody who could outperform his ranking as well. Yeah, 100%. The, the big thing for me there is I don't think that they're going to mess with their red zone rush pass rates much going into next mm-hmm. season. Brady is that offense. He's going to run that offense. He's going to audible if he sees something. So that basically leads to high potential for, you know, these three, four, five, sometimes t- uh, pass touchdown games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think Brady's upside is obviously capped because he's not running the ball at the rates that these other quarterbacks are running the ball. Obviously, he's never going to run the ball, but he will have those four or five touchdown spike weeks in his range of outcomes. But just in terms of the steer, I think he has the least amount of upside out of the five quarterbacks in tier three. All right, moving on to tier four. And this is, you know, honestly, my favorite tier to target in drafts at this point. At least it was. I mean, it hasn't been a great day for this tier in terms of NFL news specifically. You know, we've got Daniel Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields in this tier. And, you know, two of these guys got some negative pub today. You know, head coach of the Bears saying that Justin Fields has no shot to start in week one. I think we assume that to be true. Tua throwing four or five picks at practice, getting all sorts of, uh, you know, pain from the beat writers there in Miami, but how do you handle players like Trey Lance and Justin Fields who are prototypically built to be monsters in fantasy? They're in good situations, but you know, they have what? eight, nine game starting projections at this point, uh, balance versus players who are likely to play many more games. These are the guys I'm taking shots on for late season upside, right? You, Mm -hmm. you, and to do that, you might have to venture into the 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 vaunted three quarterback build, uh, but these guys are look at Patrick Mahomes in his rookie season, you know, coming uh, late season daggers. These are the guys that really could differentiate your lineups uh, and your rosters come late season, which is where all the money's at. So uh, definitely looking to take uh, shots where it makes sense on these guys. And now you're talking about different things about you know roster composition and general best ball theory and stuff like that that you have to really understand fully to to be able to take the shots on these guys. But if done correctly, uh, high, high late season upside. How, how do you, I mean, the way that I look at this, you know, sometimes these are the guys that I tend to take when I start off my draft with somebody from tier one, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I think that, you know, what is the point of taking a Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield type when I've got Dak Prescott, how often are these guys going to actually outscore Dak on a weekly basis or Josh Allen or whomever, you know, Lamar, but these guys have that potential, especially late in the season. It's just sort of, I guess, lowering your floor for the first eight games, you know, how, how do you balance sort of that thought process? There's two different ways to, to think of that. And the way that I choose to approach that mindset is to think of all of your rosters that you've built in a best ball contest as one big portfolio. Mm-hmm. And that will allow you to basically not negate floor, but pay more attention to ceiling on individual rosters uh, which is what you're shooting for with these, you know, top heavy payout mass mm-hmm. field contests that are running these days. So I guess to answer that question is I'll be looking to embrace a little bit more variance when I take these quarterbacks. 
um, to try and catch that lightning in a bottle. You know, if start in front, if they don't start, the start in front of them goes down in the first four weeks and they're playing, you know, now with the increased season, they're playing 12 full games uh, or 13 even full games. Um, you know, those are the rosters that are really going to look different than the others in the field. Joey, how do you feel about this tier? I mean, this for me would probably be the tier that I disagree with the most. Um, I disagree with Daniel Jones being at number 15 or in this tier at all. I mean, he has 39 turnovers in his first two seasons. He's been inconsistent. I personally, this is just an opinion, no fact based. I think he's a terrible quarterback. I think he was overdrafted. I'm staying away from Daniel Jones, but I know you're kind of high on him. So I would probably have him one or two tiers below Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I've been drafting them and I think they are good draft picks, especially if you're taking them as your quarterback threes. And I do like taking them as your quarterback twos, as you mentioned, if you're going with Dak or Mahomes, because you know, how many times in a 17 game season are they going to realistically score more than those top quarterbacks? So I don't mind that, but uh, we'll get into it in the next year. But they're the two, the two quarterbacks in your next tier are the two quarterbacks that I would have in this tier above Daniel. Jones and Tua. What did Daniel Jones ever do to you? Maybe I, I was just too high on him and he burned me uh, in 2020 and he burned a lot of people. So he did. And look, <laughs> I, I get it. Jason Garrett, right? He's a clear cut obstacle, but we're still talking about the quarterback behind a team that has one of the most loaded offenses in the I league. Mean, yeah. Kenny Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Ingram, Saquon Barkley, who's still only age 24. And Jones has rushing appeal. I know people like to just clown him for <laughs> busting his ass on that 80 yard touch, you know, would be touchdown. Yeah. Great gift. Love it myself. But, you know, even without that, Jones was averaging 4.6 rushing attempts per game. That's solid as a quarterback that you're getting where you're getting him. You don't have to take him as the QB 15. That's just where I personally have him based on upside. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he absolutely belongs in this tier. How do you feel about Daniel Jones? Yeah, that <laughs> that's that's funny you bring that particular play up because that, that, <laughs> that <laughs> phantom trip cost me a couple of bands in DFS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that was story. pain. <laughs> uh, I was, yeah, I was, I had Daniel Jones at like 3.4% that week. It was mm. insane. But yeah, anyway, um, I like his weekly upside on, in all honesty, the realistic chances of, you know, him seeing the four to six spike weeks that you need out of a quarterback in this tier um, we can debate that, uh, but I, I don't mind taking shots on Daniel Jones where it makes sense. And a little bit of game theory here, if I'm taking Daniel Jones, I'm probably only taking him on two quarterback bills. And the reason being, if he's going to outperform his ADP, the rosters that do take Daniel Jones are likely going to be three quarterback rosters. So mm. um, a little bit of differentiation there. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I like that yeah. point. Yeah, I could definitely see and especially just from the team environment, like in theory, yes, he should succeed with all of the talent around him. But like I said, I just personally believe he's a bad quarterback. And I think this is the biggest ADP difference on underdog. You have him ranked at QB 15. I know it's a tier on underdog. He's going as a QB 23. We There's actually one that I have a little bit uh, more of a gap and we'll get to that shortly, but getting into tier five, you know, this is a tier that I just call unexciting. You know, I think that these are guys that don't necessarily have much uh, Matt, like don't, they don't have massive ceilings. They, they don't excite me to draft them, but I do think that they are unquestionably 17 game starters, which definitely has value in these formats. Matt Ryan, Kirk cousins, Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, who's a guy that I desperately want to move up. I just can't justify it yet. Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger and, and Derek Carr. What are your, what are your thoughts on this tier of guys? The, uh, the unexciting. 
group, as I call them. Yeah. So just what I uh, was saying a couple of minutes ago, I think Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins deserve to be in the tier above this. Um, and then I would replace that with Daniel Jones and Tua, bump them, bump them down to this tier. Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins finished, both finished as QB1s. Kirk was a QB11. Matt Ryan was a QB12 last year with their weekly floors, which I think are higher than obviously Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Daniel Jones. I think that just deserves for them to be moved up. Like I said, I would have them moved up in my tiers. And I think their upside, I think the upside is there with Matt Ryan. I think he's a candidate to lead the NFL and pass attempts or at least be top five. The Falcons defense is horrendous. They really did nothing to even address that side of the ball. I know they lost Julio Jones, but they added Kyle Pitts, generational talent that a lot of people are high on. So I'm not too worried about Matt Ryan. He's still a guy that I would much rather have than Tua and Daniel Jones. And then Kirk Cousins, I, I know he gets some hate Eight, but he hasn't been a bad fantasy quarterback and he wasn't bad last year. He he had a 34 point game. He had multiple games with 25 plus. I, I think that it's kind of disrespectful to have them below Daniel Jones and Tua. I mean, the, the result, if you're looking at the past results with Matt Ryan, especially like over the last five seasons and points per game, he's been 14, 10, 23, and he has two finishes inside the top two. So I get it. But I think that they, you know, if you look at the Falcons from just sort of a team perspective, they're a Calvin Ridley injury away from being like the worst personnel in the league on, on offense. No, that is true. That is true. What are your thoughts on this tier? So when I get to tier five plus on the quarterback position, particularly, I'm kind of shifting my mindset. So I'm going away from, um, I'm going away from likeliest scenario and I'm trying to, uh, embrace a little bit of variance. So what I'm looking for here and in the next tier we'll talk about is range of outcomes, a uh, realistic mm-hmm. range of outcomes. And I want that to be as wide as possible here. Um, so I want the guys who, you know, if they, for whatever reason, uh, can throw four to six spike weeks in there. Um, so the guys for me out of this tier that have the wide range of outcomes are Matt Ryan, as previously discussed, for all the reasons that were already covered. And then Zach Wilson, that's a guy who, you know, wide range of outcomes. We have no idea what that team is going to look mm-hmm. like. We have no idea what the offense is going to look like. Uh, we have no idea how Zach Wilson's going to look, you know, with his first taste in the NFL. Um, but wide range of outcomes, does he have the upside? I would argue 100% with that deep ball acumen. Mm. Now, how do you feel about the man that he replaces in Sam Darnold going to, you know, finally escaping the grasp of Adam Gase and getting in, you know, a system that we seem to like and surrounded by quite a bit of talent as well? Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, the added Terrace Marshall. You know, it seems like Sam Darnold should be in a position to succeed. And, and I would say that his range of outcomes is pretty wide as well. With Sam Darnold, they actually do have a coach. Uh, who will remain aggressive. And we saw that in the second half of last year, trying to win games uh, regardless of you know what it takes. And that is basically going to come down all to offensive play calling and how aggressive they'll remain throughout the season. So I actually do like Sam Darnold um, a little bit. Um, and again, with Sam Darnold back into that game theory mentality is there that team is pretty easy to stack outside of CMC. Mm-hmm. And with the aggressive play calling, you have a uh, high opportunity for uh, upside there. Now, ju- just focusing a little bit on what you said earlier about stacking and how you you let it fall to you. When I find myself in this tier of quarterbacks, when I'm looking at these guys and we talk about range of outcomes and, and I feel the same way, I, I'm looking to correlate them, right? Because you know, if I if I want my Odell Beckham teams to hit, then I'm starting to think maybe my Baker my Baker share should be hitting as well in those scenarios. So I'm, I'm looking to stack 
stack these quarterbacks, maybe even more so than quarterbacks in earlier tiers. Because if I'm hitting on these guys, I should theoretically also be hitting on certain other pieces in these offenses. Yeah, exactly. And stacking in best ball is a little bit different mindset than it is with something like DFS, where uh, in DFS, it's a way to manage the variance, right? You want to either increase your leverage uh, through variance, or you want to minimize the the weekly variance through your stacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could talk about that, you know, offline, but, um, with, with best ball, it's basically a way to increase, uh, spike week potential. Um, you know, if an offense, is, if a quarterback is thrown four or five touchdowns, it's obviously spike week for him. Well, where are those touchdowns going? Obviously. So you're catching the highest variance action in NFL, uh, DFS or season long is a touchdown. So if you're getting double points for all those touchdowns that are scored, that's high, high spike week potential. Mm. Am I, am I on a, an Island with this Jared Goff take? I've got him all the way up here at 23 right now on underdog. His ADP is quarterback 30. And I, I wasn't really drafting any of them in the first few months of best ball season, but I've been coming around, especially at value. He seems like a guy who's going to be on a team that is probably unlikely to be favored even once this season, unless they play the Texans, which I don't think they do. So I think that Jared Goff, despite what is probably, uh, you know, not the best coaching staff, definitely not the best situation in terms of offensive talent, might find himself in a situation where he could get there just strictly off of volume, off of game script, mm-hmm. and, and sort of outproduce his ADP based on that. And they don't really have like a young quarterback behind him that is a threat to take him off the field as the starter no i i definitely like jared goff at adp at his adp of Q, quarterback 30 i mean if he starts 17 games he's finishing higher than that right so it's value and i like his stacking options too and you can make a detroit Lions stack with a 15th and an 18th round pick right you can go with jared goff and tyrell or jared goff and brashad perryman and then let's say you get tj hawkinson in the early rounds um you got a nice little line stack so i like it i just don't know if he really has that many spike weeks in his range of outcomes and that's probably the concern that i have with these quarterbacks in this tier is i don't see these quarterbacks having many spike weeks at all and in terms of spike weeks i'm saying 30 plus points Mm. Any disagreement there? Uh, a little bit. For me, it comes down to coaching tendencies. Uh, and, you know, even though his ADP mm-hmm. is, you know, quarterback, whatever it is, 30 towards the end of the league, um, I'd much rather, you know, use a one or two. When you start getting into this range of rounds, when you're taking them, I'd rather just spend the extra, you know, one or two round bump and take somebody like Sam Darnold, Matt Ryan, or, or Zach yeah. Wilson and, and take the the higher upside weekly upside play. Yeah. I think that that's uh, definitely valid. Are we, are we all out on uh, Carson Wentz, you know, after, after last year looking just absolutely abysmal because you would think that this is a team with some decent weapons and one of the better O lines in the, in the league with a coach that he's had success with in the past. It seems like he is primed for a bounce back. It's just really hard to get that taste out of our mouths after he just looked so God awful last year. <laughs> he's, He's definitely interesting to me from a DFS perspective. And I say that because mm-hmm. he's you know, reuniting with a previous offensive coordinator play caller. Um, it, somebody who he has hit the best experience of his career with. And, but for a best ball, you, you look at the composition of that team and, you know, insane uh, or an overperforming defense last year that was extremely young, that is now, you know, returning a lot of personnel, uh, likely going to get better. Uh, and move from the overperforming to kind of this is the new norm for them. So, but as far as you know, play calling will they remain regressive? We don't really know yet. But uh, uh, I like him more for like an early season DFS, 
you know, pop potential than I do season long best ball. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm definitely down for some 5,400 Carson Wentz on DraftKings week one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, uh, he might be lower than that, honestly. Oh, Ooh, don't tell that's, me. All right. That's right <laughs> in my wheelhouse, baby. Oh, yeah. You already know. All right, guys. Last tier, tier six. And this is a tier that I've labeled as quarterback three dart throws, usually guys that I think have just far too much risk to go in a two QB build. I think you're really kind of put yourself in a really thin spot. Spot there. I think they're all unlikely to be 17 game starters. Got the likes of Jameis Winston, uh, both Patriots quarterbacks and Cam and Mac Jones. We've got both Washington quarterbacks and Heineke Fitzpatrick, Teddy Bridgewater. And let's start here with Deshaun Watson. You know, Hill, how, how are you handling this Deshaun Watson conundrum? A guy who could absolutely break the league, but the way things seem to be going, it, it seems like he's very unlikely to be uh, out mm-hmm. there for 17. He might not be out there at all. Yeah, this super risk dart throw, like you talked about, Tier. Um, for me, as opposed to taking those possibly lighting money on fire with Deshaun Watson, I would rather actually take the gamble on either Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. And the reason I say either is because a lot of the teams that are going to be in these contests are not thinking uh, EV and they're going to be stacking Jameis and Taysom, which is burning a a spot on a, you know, 18 or 20 person roster. Uh, So if you take one or the other and you just bet on, you know, that quarterback is going to be the quarterback for the Saints for the entire year. Now you're looking at, you know, a high weekly upside quarterback, uh, where as opposed to these other teams who are going to be taking mm-hmm. both of them are going to be more hedgy and it limits the upside of the roster as a whole. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that, you know, one of these Saints quarterbacks, if they find themselves in a spot where they're starting 17 games, they they could absolutely be league winners. I mean, the last time we saw Jameis Winston in a full season, he threw for over 5,000 yards. He was quarterback five in points per game and he's in a situation that should be good you've got elite talent and michael thomas alvin Kamara, solid coaching staff you know winston's a guy that i've been taking a lot of shots on lately i think that he has really untapped potential in the later rounds winston is definitely my favorite quarterback to target if i'm drafting out of this tier but me personally i'm going into drafts hoping that i don't have to draft out of this tier i'd rather just stay away get my quarterback in the fifth sixth round you know the josh allen's the dax of the world get my quarterback to a couple rounds later six seven rounds later and then just avoid this tier at all costs um just a lot of uncertainty like you mentioned but if i had to pick one Jameis winston would probably be the guy to target we've seen him have quarterback one upside um just not or just a couple years ago so it would be winston and i mean i'm not gonna lie i have a couple 15 16th round watson shares um, <laughs> not gonna lie so yeah, I mean Watson's my most uh, auto-drafted player. Every time I step away from the from the computer, I got Watson. Um, Joey, so I mean, I'll, I'll give you the chance real here. I see a little Patriots uh, helmet in your background, a little blanket vibe going on. Which of these quarterbacks should I be looking at? You know, Cam Newton's reportedly. What did Bill Belichick say today? Like miles ahead of where he was last year, and you know he's all in support of Mac Jones. Which of these guys should we be looking at at the end of drafts or neither? I mean, I, don't, I probably want to target either but if i had to pick one just for sake of conversation it would probably be cam newton as a patriots fan i think the plan is for cam to be the guy this season he's that bridge quarterback mac jones takes the year to learn under cam learn the system and get ready for 2022 so if i had to pick one it would be cam newton and we know that he does have upside as a rusher as well 
which is obviously great for fantasy. So if Cam Newton starts 17 games, I mean, God, he's going to blow like he's going to be three tiers above this just in terms mm-hmm. of fantasy points. But still a lot of uncertainty if he plays bad, comes out, you know, he's an- inaccurate throwing balls in the dirt like he was last year. I could see them switching to Mac Jones sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, you I mean, you got to give him credit, though. They really upgraded the offense with the likes of Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. And, and my and my boy, Jacoby Myers, wide receiver one. Oh, yeah. I can't forget That's that. That's what's yeah. up. Can't forget that those two dudes share a birthday. It's that's yeah, yep. that's my boy. <laughs> I draft them. In, I'm drafting them in every draft. <laughs> hey, I, I respect it. All right, l- last real question I have about this tier is, you know, can anybody sell me on Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because you know, I've done about three, four drafts today, and I'm seeing this man start to go in the 13th, 14th round. I get it. We all love Terry McLaurin. We love Curtis. We love. I mean, some people love Logan Thomas. Not, uh, us, not so much. But you know, besides elite post-game interview swag. I can't understand for the life of me why this guy is getting drafted as the QB 21 on underdog. I know that everyone loves him, but but what is the appeal for Ryan Fitzpatrick in fantasy at this point? Yeah, I absolutely love the man, the human being. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's going to be a DFS darling as opposed to a best ball mm-hmm. darling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you pick those spots. Uh, he's going to have games where he throws for 200 and nothing, and he's going to have games where he pops for 403. Uh, so while that, uh, that seems appealing for in a best ball scenario, those, those, you know, 403 games, there's maybe going to be one or one to three of those, as opposed to the four or six where you really need, uh, when you're talking about spike week potential, you really need four to six weeks of those spike week games, uh, for them to make sense to roster. Do you have any uh, interest in Heineke as a hedge? <laughs> not really, because you're looking at the <laughs> offense as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you hedging? You're hedging the same one to three spike week potential. Mm, fair point. Yeah, and probably less than that with Heineke. He probably has zero spike week potential. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm out on Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, too. I know he was pretty good last year, and he and the games that he started for Miami, he went over 20 points, like, pretty much in every single game last season. But I feel like he's – just an inconsistent quarterback and he's going to be inconsistent in fantasy. And then I also think that the Washington team in general, I think they're going to be in positive game scripts, especially in that division. Uh, I'm not too high on uh, the Eagles or the giants for 2021 positive game scripts for Washington could reduce the pass attempts for Ryan Fitzpatrick could reduce the spike weeks. Um, and combine that with the fact that probably he's not going to start all 17 games. So yeah, seems yeah. seems highly unlikely that he would. The reason, the reason I like his spike week potential in a limited sample size um, is basically his offensive play caller. You know, Ron Rivera has shown uh, extreme aggression tendencies uh, in game. So if that's going to be the case, that's going to be something that I'm looking to capitalize uh, early season be- or DFS. But again, we don't know if he's going to play a whole 17, maybe on a three quarterback build, but it's really more yeah. or less a, a wasted spot for me on a best ball team. Do uh, do either of you have any interest in either of the quarterbacks in Denver? I don't have Drew Locke ranked and, and we've got Teddy in this, this dart throw tier, but you know, I mean, theoretically there should be some interest, right? Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, all going in the top 10 rounds both of their running backs people seem to be bullish on every piece of this offense except for the one that matters most <laughs> yeah it, this is one of those cases where one side of the puzzle doesn't match the other and for me it's the the other offensive playmakers are overpriced uh everybody mm. except Cortland Sutton I would say is overpriced interesting interesting yeah. I mean I I have no interest in Teddy two gloves no interest in Drew Locke I mean god like 
just such unexciting options for Denver in fantasy and in real life. I, I think they just missed out on the opportunity to grab Justin Fields with that ninth pick. I mean, they went with certain, which is whatever. They have a great defense, a great secondary now uh, with that addition, but they missed out big time. As, as well as the potential for the Aaron Rodgers acquisition. Does anybody have any other notes that they want to get across on quarterback before we close out this show? Just overall roster construction. Um, the when you start getting into the lower tiers, like we talked about, um, people are going to be managing variance as opposed to embracing it. So mm-hmm. I would be much more if you're waiting on quarterback on a build. I would be much more inclined to make that cor- that build a two quarterback build as opposed to three because all the other quarterbacks that are going to be on rosters from those tiers are going to be on three quarterback builds. Mm, yeah, interesting. I so like that's that. A good, that's a good point. Little, little gem to drop at the end of the show for the people who stay all the way through. Appreciate that. And that is going to be it for episode 145 of the DFS Dose podcast. If you are not already, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrying DFS. And of course, you can find Hillo at HilloFF on Twitter. Normally, we have new episodes drop every Thursday on every podcast platform. But, you know, with this series going on, we're going to be dropping four episodes this week on different days. So just make sure you're subscribed. Check that out. Uh, We've got Jack Miller joining us next to talk running backs from Establish the Run and NBC's Sports Edge. Super excited for that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, if you guys are listening out there, just know we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes. Vibes.